What up, y'all? Welcome to Queer Walk, the podcast, the podcast that takes the queer women of color community beyond the Tumblr dashboards. I am Money, your friendly creator. podcast of 2017 um i am excited for that and it's also episode 10 i never thought i would see this double digit episodes um i am also always looking for guests so if you would like to be on with me like i said before hit me up um actually before i get started for today we so y'all know about the tumblr page but we also have an instagram page I don't know if y'all knew about that. So, yeah, follow Queer Women of Color on Instagram at Queer Walk. It's Queer Walk everything, y'all know. All right, so to start off this uh, new year, um, I have to bring y'all the Queer Walk of the Week. So, the Queer Walk of the Week is Amanda Nunes. (laughs) I had to make it her. Um, Okay, so... I don't know how many of y'all are into UFC fighting or have ever heard of Ronda Rousey. Um, She kind of made headlines last year when um, Holly Holmes uh, toe-tagged that ass. (laughs) She got knocked out. And it was not only a big deal because she got knocked out by Holly Holmes, but it was her first time being knocked out. She was undefeated before that and was... Really cocky going into it, as I I guess you would be if you're undefeated, but um, was just kind of nasty about it and also was a sore loser after. So this fight with Amanda Nunes, who is um, a badass lesbian from Brazil, who currently holds the UFC women's... um, Phantom Wave. Phantom Wave? Why? I thought you said you ain't want to be on it. I thought you said you ain't want to be on it, (laughs) y'all. That's... Okay, for everybody listening, that's my partner. There was a little hesitation on their part to be on because this is Queer Walk and they are not a woman of color. <laughs> but I I, I think it's cool if they're a guest. Um, this is a community space and I think they have stuff to talk about also. So they're yelling from the other room telling me what Amanda Nunes' title is. So, the Phantom Way? I thought it was Welterweight or something like that. Okay. Anyway, she was the champion. And the whole, like, hype about the fight was not about her. And I I think that can only happen to a queer woman of color. Like, when have you ever seen a champion not be hyped up when they're going to defend their title? In any sport, like, in basketball, you see, like, Oh, the defending champs, blah, blah, blah. So, so especially in a singular sport, like a individual sport, when they're not paying any attention to the actual champion and it's like all focused on Ronda Rousey's return, the, um, the whole fight was like billed as she's back, blah, blah, blah. Um, she didn't do any of the press for the fight. There wasn't much press for the fight, I guess, because of that reason. Um, and Amanda did all of it. She was tweeting about it. You know, she's out doing the, the circuits, um, 
you know, talking to reporters and Ronda Rousey did none of the above and got paid $3 million for the fight while Amanda got paid 200000 for the fight. Right? Right? Ain't that fucked up? But <laughs> with all of this stacked against her, Amanda did not let it bring her down. And in 48 seconds, she two-pieced in a biscuit, <laughs> Ronda Rousey, knocking her out and retaining her title. So I said it was a knockout. Look, if you don't want to be in the episode, stay in the room with your commentary. <laughs> Anyway, Queer Walk of the Week is Amanda Nunes. Y'all should check her out. Uh, damn, I forgot. Yeah, her Twitter is Amanda underscore Leoa, L-E-O-A. And yeah, just go follow her. She's hilarious um, on top of being fine as fuck and strong as fuck. <laughs> like, Amanda is also the first out lesbian champion for the UFC and the first Brazilian female champion, so she's a big damn deal. But yeah, go follow her like at Amanda Lee underscore Leoa. All right, this week's biggest fans. Uh, number one goes out to Kid hyphen Crazy with two eyes. K R A Z I I. Kid is K I D D. Thanks so much for all your support. Uh, the Shares are much appreciated. The messages are much appreciated. Thanks so much. Uh, number two biggest fan this week is RJ hyphen or hyphen whatever. RJ or whatever. Uh, number three biggest fan this week is Black Pan Butch. And I like your um, Martin, <laughs> your icon on Tumblr. That's, that's funny with the Doberman picture. Okay. Uh, and the last one. Number four, the biggest fan of the week is Lesby Homies. And that's a hyphen in between, so it's Lesby hyphen homies. Uh, thanks again, y'all, for always, you know, blogging, sharing. It keeps the conversation going, so thank y'all for all of that support. The like slash reblog of the week, I'm going to give that to Truth. She is a rapper from Chicago, Champaign, Illinois, that area is so um shout out to illinois uh and i discovered her music a few years ago um i think probably around the first my first year in syracuse or so and she's just dope as fuck like i there's no other way to say that her her flow like the way she sounds sounds so different than other rappers that i've heard and i really like that like that's what draws me to rappers when you don't sound like everybody else and, you know, she's a queer woman of color. So, of course, I'm going to support because y'all know me, loving the community. Um, you can check her out on SoundCloud at our Truth is PS. Um, she's also on Bandcamp there. Follow her on Instagram <laughs> at Truth is, um, and that's I-Z, Magic. Uh, she's also in a group, uh, which is called Mother Nature. They're also dope as fuck. Check, check that out also. But that's the like and reblog of the week. I might put like her my one of my favorite songs by her is Luxocracy and I think I might put a piece of that here so y'all can just get a taste. You need love and I get that so I give it, give it back. Yeah, concentrated on obtaining greatness. I need the job, but excuse my lateness. Got five before because they lost their patience, but my inspiration supersedes the station. I just wanna give y'all real. What else am I to do? If I spew nothing but lies, then y'all wouldn't call me true. Make a move and they shoot you. And I'll be
unfollow of the week. Okay, so my unfollow is related to it being a new year. So kind of things that I want to unfollow from 2016. The first thing is definitely my biggest unfollow of 2017 is doing extra work and labor that I am not paid for or in some other way like compensated. Meaning like I don't I don't get fed from going above and beyond. Um, and I think a lot of women in general, but particularly women of color, get called on to do additional work, labor, come speak here, come do this, uh, take care of this person, and feeling like we have to say yes to all of that. Like that that somehow we're like in these vulnerable spaces to where if we do the regular degular that everybody else does, we're seen as mediocre. So we have to go that extra push and step. And I'm just unfollowing that this year. Like I I am letting go of the guilt of feeling like I have to be um, super queer woman of color and be in every queer space and lead every queer this talk for every queer woman of color across the board because like I said I always say like the experience I speak from is a black lesbian experience and and like I have to own that what I actually feel like I get fed more from is my quote-unquote side hustles (laughs) so like like I make shea butter for example and a lot of my friends know like they'll buy it from me that's one of my side hustles because you know I'm a PhD student aiming to be a professor eventually and it don't pay my bills like what pays my bills is my GA stipend barely barely I should emphasize barely um (laughs) but that's that's what makes me feel good like that's when I feel like I'm connecting to people that I actually set out to help by even entering the the mental health field um that's when I see my folks of color that's when I see my queer fam is when I'm doing these side hustle things. And so that's what I'm going to give my energy to more this year and feel very unapologetic about it. Another thing I'm going to unfollow in 2017 is unhealthy ways of getting free. Um, I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but let me explain what I mean. In 2016, more so than than any other point in being uh, social justice active, I feel like I let myself take a back burner. Um, I was not eating good, uh, was barely keeping my asthma under control. My anxiety started getting like ridiculous. I don't think I've ever had um, like psychosomatic symptoms of anxiety until last year. Like I would my, my my palms and my underarms would start pouring sweat and I'm just like sitting there chilling or like taking a walk with my friends and just would have these intense panicky feelings and it was because all the ways I was trying to get free whether it was like organizing um, movements locally with my friends putting together healing circles for people of color all the ways I was doing that, I was doing it really unhealthy. I like I wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't sleeping well. <laughs> my edges got crusty. <laughs> I wasn't on my Jamaican black castor oil, you know. Um, there was no coconut oil in my life. Um, I was just real rusty. And so I'm definitely unfollowing that and finding ways of making sure that I'm okay and doing liberation work. And so for me, that looks a lot like 
um, doing healing spaces because not, it gives something back to me. It's not like a one-way thing where I'm creating this space and people come and take from it, but I'm also like fed through those. Liberation work that is also freeing to me um, also looks like Queer Walk. It is time-consuming, but it it gives back to me. Like, I feel, I feel good when I read y'all messages or I get another submission and I get to post it and get to connect people. I get a lot of um, messages from people who are actually trying to message the person in the picture. So, I, you know, then I, then I play my little connection, you know, like trying to hook it up. You know, like, actually, I think you meant to send this to... Um, <laughs> that feels good to me. And it does feel liberating because where else in the space am I going to get like 70 messages a week from other queer women of color? And give yourselves credit for that too. I think it goes along with, oh, this is an unfollow. So queer women of color just don't give themselves credit for the magic that they do. The things they do to just like bend the earth, they just see it as regular and it's not regular you are magic, you are poetry, you are the shit. And celebrate yourself as much as we celebrate other people. All right, today's dashboard topic is actually going to come from a submission from Kid Crazy. So I'll read the submission and then kind of get into the topic. Here's something I think you could talk about on your blog. Do gay relationships move faster than straight ones? Or is it just that time doesn't really exist? Or is it the possibility that because it's, some, it's sometimes hard for gay individuals to find partners, so when we do find someone, we kind of look to the future faster than usual because we don't want to be single again? Okay, I can just give you my take on it. So I'll talk about, I guess, lesbian relationships and um, queer women relationships So, and this is funny because actually next week I'm going to be teaching a Winterlude class, which is just like a one, they cram a whole semester class into one week. So the class is from eight to five every day. I'm going to be teaching it and it's on LGBT couples and families. And and while I'm recording this right now, I should actually be working on my syllabus, but it'll get done. Um, (laughs) um, So this is like right on time because I've been thinking about this lately. So where do I start? Okay, so with lesbian relationships, there is this idea that they move faster than what? Like, that that would be my question. Like, they move faster than, quote-unquote, regular relationships. What are regular relationships? Straight relationships? That's heteronormativity. And ain't, got, ain't nobody got time to be measuring um, their relationship against a standard that I just, like, don't fit, don't want to fit. I think that lesbian relationships are what they are. Like, to say that they move too fast is really, like, pathologizing women um, lesbians, like, um, queer women, because it, like, sets us up to, there, there to be, like, something wrong with us. We're, we're moving fast because, uh, we're socialized to be so, I don't know. Um, and I don't, I don't think that's true. I think it's being measured against a man and a woman relationship standard. And we see how that turned out. Like, why why would we want to move at that speed? Like, when heterosexual relationships have a 50% divorce rate. Um, <laughs> I'm, uh, 
I don't really want to measure my relationship against that standard. And speaking about, like, disillusionment of relationships, so I guess, like, ending relationships. So, because it's hard to find partners, like you were saying in your um, submission, so then we do find it. We look to the future faster. Um, I think that's also, like, a stereotype of of lesbian relationships. I don't know if that's so much a stereotype of gay male relationships. I don't think so. That, um, what do you call it? What's the What's the thing? Um, U-Haul, like you just, you start the relationship Monday, move in with each other on Wednesday and y'all having kids and married by Friday, right? Like, so, so, so for the intensity to come like really soon and, um, I don't know if that's attached, I can't say if that's attached to like this feeling of I won't ever find someone else again because although it is hard to date as a lesbian, it's hard to date for everybody, (laughs) So I think anybody could have that fear of never finding someone else. It's not just a lesbian thing. I I think you have more options, obviously, if you, like, fall into this normative group. But um, for, for, for me, thinking about, like, the speed of my relationships has never been attached to this fear that I won't find somebody else. And honestly, I think even this idea of relationships moving too fast is just, like, this really insidious way of um, devaluing lesbian relationships and making them seem like less valid. I think that lesbians do end relationships on average before like it gets to this like really nasty saturated space that nobody wants to be in. I think we have like healthier, healthier, shorter relationship spans, if that makes sense. So the intensity is high, which also means like the caring, the loving, um, the emotional ties in the relationship are also high because in order for you to be thinking about the future with somebody and all of that communication is happening. Um, and that's a lot of what like lesbian couple literature says that, um, although again, it's looked at negatively as if like we're enmeshed, which means like we just can't be apart and there's some like something wrong with the way we're so close. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily wrong. I just think that's the way women relate to each other, even in friendship. But I think it's just a way that we relate to one another, which keeps the passion and intensity high. And when that's gone or starts to dwindle out, I think lesbians are are more cool with being like, maybe we should just be friends. And I also see that a lot of lesbians break up and they still in the same friend group, especially um, lesbians of color or queer women of color, like, like we all are one degree removed from dating some other one of our friends, like everybody in the circle has talked to somebody or hooked up with somebody or know somebody who did, um, we just kind of stay and I don't really see that in heterosexual relationships. It's like you break up and the, the person disappears from your life, like you never, um, see them again. So I think we have like healthier ways um, and the relationship just transforms. And so I don't I don't think that's bad. I don't have a fear of being single, but I also don't accept singledom, if that makes sense. Like, um, I got a, a submission one time that was like, it's okay, you know, a lot of um, older lesbians are single and they are just single for the rest of their lives. And it's fine to be that, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I don't think I'm at that point. I don't think I've like 
believe that for uh, lesbians or queer women as they get older, that you're you're just going to be single for the rest of your life. Um, I think that being in relationships looks different. How are you defining relationships? How are you defining friendships? Um, Why do we place such a heavy emphasis on being in relationship in the first place as like some kind of relational fulfillment? Because being single can be much more healthier for and for some of us it should be than being in a relationship or or even wanting a relationship right like you can you can be single and copacetic with that uh it's not like sad and single they they don't have to go together similarly whereas being in a relationship doesn't necessarily mean happy I am very thankful right now that I am happy in my relationship. But there have been points where I've been in a relationship and have not been. Like, I've been miserable and would much rather be by myself. That fear of being alone as the reason why you go so hard in a relationship, I think that that, that is a, a individual process versus a, a a couple process. Like Like, it's about whatever that one person is holding on to in those fears that probably are rooted in some sort of insecurity or reality. Like, like if you live in a place where there aren't a lot of options, like, like I do in Syracuse, there's not a big queer community here. Um, it's bigger than some places, but, um, it's not, you know, booming. It ain't popping here. It ain't wet here. It's very dry in Syracuse. So, if you live in a place like that, that could contribute to you having a fear of being single, too. I guess my biggest thing for that is if you have a fear of being single, be single. <laughs> um, that, I, that sounds silly, but I think for me, that has been something that's helped me. Like when I've been afraid of being with myself, like being in a relationship with myself, facing myself every day, that's the moments where I I knew for sure that I needed to be alone. I didn't need to bring that to somebody else and have them make me whole. I needed to be whole on my own in order to be in a healthy relationship, which feels like it's backing a little bit away from your question about do gay relationships move fast, but um, um, so I guess in general, <laughs> my, to conclude, semicolon, my answer would be, yeah, yeah, I do think, uh, lesbian relationships move fast and I think lesbian relationships don't move fast. Like it's, I think it's yes and no. It's yes. If you're comparing it to some like heteronormative relationship escalator that says, okay, you date for three months, then you initiate a relationship, you start, you stay in the relationship for a year, then you move in with each other, then you get engaged, then you get married, then you have 2.5 kids, and you get a dog, and you get a cat, and then you have another kid, like, if you're measuring it by that, what we should all be doing, which, but which doesn't ever really work out for people, or has never really fit for queer communities, for communities of color then yeah you're going to look at a lesbian relationship where two women are partnered together and live together after two weeks of being together as fast but then you need to think about the social context in which that relationship exists um maybe queer women are living together more because of the wage gap and we we, um it just economically makes more sense for us to live together versus trying to sustain sustain two separate households so there's like other stuff 
going on too as as far as like the trajectory of lesbian relationships and I think that that we just move in the way we move I don't think it's fast or slow I just think it's us and beautiful and I love it like what are you comparing us to like yes your slow ass romantic comedy straight couples like no (laughs) um we just don't do it the same we just move like us all right, I'm going to jump right into the inbox and answer a couple questions. First is from Amelie Zetron. Amelie Zetron. I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce that. And it's, um, can I submit my participant request for my research study to QueerWalk? Um, thanks for asking that question because I've actually had several people submit their like participant requests. They're doing some kind of study and they want me to post um, their request for participants on the page or they want me to post their um, you know questionnaire, a link to their questionnaire or something like that. So my thing is I am comfortable posting it. Like I have no problem with that. If people want to participate, they'll participate. However, semicolon, (laughs) thinking about Queer Walk in the space I'm trying to create, it takes effort. And that's me kind of like, so Queer Walk has like over 20,000 followers. So I'm giving your study like a huge boost. Um, And so it's kind of like advertising. And so if it makes sense at all, um, I feel like we would, we should like connect on that. So if you wanted to post something we should talk about that, and if you're going to be advertising on Queer Walk for your study, what, like, what is the benefit the community will get from that, right? So, um, just making that transparent and kind of hit me up if you want to throw a couple dollars in the PayPal so that Queer Walk gets paid for every month. That's cool, too. Uh, This $15 bill, don't pay itself. Um, So if you want to contribute in that way, or if your study is going to tangibly benefit the community, whatever, like, what will you be giving back? Kind of just, like, that reciprocal thing. Like, what will you be giving back to Queer Walk for, like, boosting your study? And low-key, like, some of y'all study requests, I'm just like, whoa, this study, like, I don't I don't know. I just get like the eeks from it. And so I really would like to hear more about like what you plan on doing with that. Okay. So next question is coming from, okay, I'm a, this, this is like the uh, kid crazy episode. Um, cause I'm gonna answer this question cause it's on my spirit. So kid crazy asks, how do you keep yourself motivated to stay in school when you feel like it's a whole bunch of BS? I think I was just talking about this. I how do I keep myself motivated? Um so we were talking on Tumblr, but I think the biggest motivation for me to keep going even though I feel like school be on some bullshit majority of the time are other queer women of color who have done it, who are doing it. Um those are the people closest to me that keep me 
going. We talk to each other. We get to vent. Like, it gives me a community to be like, bitch, you will never guess what this motherfucker said in class today. And they'll be like, girl, that ain't shit. You should hear what they said in my class. And, you know, we just have that, like, back and forth, and it normalizes it. It lets me know that I'm not crazy. Like, <laughs> this this stuff is, isn't just, like, in my head. Like, it's really happening. And then it also gives me a bigger picture that it's not just my university, right? Is this... This is my friends, like, across the country. Like, we, you know, we everywhere. And when we talk to each other, we all have similar experiences. So, it just, like, knowing that makes, make encourages me because it makes me want to change it. Like, it's, it's institutional because it's my school. But it's also across institutions. Like, higher education in general is very old white man make money capitalists you know so it's like if I want that if I want another black girl or queer person or woman of color to have a different experience then I gotta finish this damn degree and put myself in those spaces to make it different for another generation which feels kind of far off but it also feels like close because you know, I'm one cohort. I'm a second year in my program. Um, next year, there could be another queer person. There could be another black person. There could, hopefully, there could, there could be a queer woman of color um, who will now have, have a different experience because of the way I've moved through the system and have challenged them and have pushed back and have, like, made a space for myself. So... You know, it's a far-off goal, thinking about finishing school, but it's also a close one because every year new students come and the same old fuck shit is there. So we get to deal with it. Um, another thing that keeps me motivated is my family. Um, my little sisters, they believe in me more than I believe in myself a lot. <laughs> like, I, I think hearing them describe me, I'm like, damn, really? That's me? Um, and we do that to each other. And just being close to them means so much to me. I honestly don't know, like, what my life would be if I wasn't a big sister to them. <laughs> because they keep me so motivated. They they really encourage me. So, they keep me going. They're like... I, I remember, it was about a year and a half ago, I really wanted to quit school. Like, I was just done. I was burnt out. I couldn't... I couldn't fight anymore. Like, I couldn't explain to a professor why I was so offended by what a classmate said anymore. I was just burnt out. I was just done. And my little sister was like, I would never forget this. She was like, well, you could quit, but, I mean, I'm not quitting school. So, like, <laughs> so like where you going to live? Because you can't stay with me in the dorms. <laughs> and I'm like, damn, you right. I need to finish. <laughs> I, just need, I just need to do this. I... I chose this as my career, so, you know, that's, that's like, part of it. Like, recognizing where I am in the bigger scheme of things also keeps me going. In small ways, what keeps me motivated is being... And so, like, I like to learn, and, so, and I like undoing this idea that classrooms are the only place you can do so. But to have access to that, I had to go to college. Like, I just would not have had the opportunities that I've had if I would not have gone to college. Because I'm a first-generation college student. I come from 
a low-income family background, I would have never been able to, like, do an internship in India or, you know, like, travel to Spain and do all these things had I not gone to college. So taking advantages of the resources of the institutions that be trying to fuck us over all the time is a big part of also what keeps me motivated. Like, I'll read something or hear about something because of being in school and pass it back to my bigger community. I I have these conversations, I think, most frequently with my mom and my uncle, just like, yo, have you heard about blah, blah, blah? And they'll be like, no, I ain't heard of that. Let me look that up. And exploding the idea of what a classroom is and where learning actually happens. Um, And I think I'm able to do that. So I act like a a funnel. I I just take it in from the university or off of campus and just spill it out into the hood and just like into my family, into my friends. Um, and we learn in other ways. You know, I, I take those resources and I funnel them back out into people who don't have access to college campuses or JSTOR or, you know, university libraries who are becoming like the big harborers of books and knowledge, you know, like, um, I was listening to this podcast with Toni Morrison, and she was talking about how, um, it was actually Toni, Toni Morrison and Angela Davis, and they were talking about how, uh, community libraries are disappearing, and university libraries are booming, right, and so, and thinking about that, that's true. Like, the, universities are intentionally locking away knowledge. So if I can place myself on a college campus and take that, all that shit that they're trying to bury and lock up behind metal detectors and ID card swipes and pass it up back to my folks, then that I'm all down for that. So that also keeps me motivated. Just thinking of myself as a funnel or a vessel to get stuff back out and and give it to my people. All right. And um, also from the inbox, Wildflower Child Huh said um, that they couldn't send me a message because we aren't, we aren't following each other. Oh, and this is for all the people who have asked me to follow them from Queer Walk. Queer Walk is my secondary blog to my initial blog on Tumblr. And the way Tumblr is set up is like, I, I do actually do follow you, but I follow you from Melanated Money because that's my, that's my page. Um, and so I cre- created Queer Walk secondary to that. So until Tumblr changes the setup, it won't say that Queer Walk is following you, but no, I follow you and you on my dashboard. And so, hey, uh, <laughs> but um so Wildflower Child huh, says, thanks for keeping us all connected. There are some real jewels here. It's always nice to stumble upon them. You are more than welcome. Thank y'all for keeping me connected. Um, Queer Rock definitely lets me know what's going on a lot of times. I'll be unplugged because of whatever I'm having to do for school. So thank y'all so much. Um, and messages like this really mean a lot to me because... Um, like I said, it does take time to, to get out all of the posts, to, um, you know, start this new venture of the podcast, which I actually like doing more because I don't have the time to sit down and write out responses. So I can just like get through a lot of them on the podcast. Um, and I just thank y'all for submitting everything, pictures, um, questions, topics. Uh, and so in that vein, 
keep submitting, slide in the DMs. Um, you can find us on Tumblr at Queer Walk, Queer W-O-C, SoundCloud, Queer W-O-C. Please leave comments, share it, let your friends know, let your friends' friends know. Um, we're also on Instagram at Queer Walk, Queer W-O-C. Um, and again, submit everything, questions, comments, concerns, topics, pictures, videos, uh, research requests, <laughs> everything. And so that's it for this week, and I will see y'all in two weeks. I'm definitely going to try to keep the podcast coming bi-weekly. All right, talk to y'all later. Deuces.